Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So we are both back uh, from WWDC, or at least from San, uh, San Jose. I think we can call it WWDC. I mean, I was there. <laughs> sure, sure. You were, you were there. I just, just you know, I, I didn't, I didn't want to... Yeah, you had a ticket, but I didn't. And, and honestly, I, I have to say, this is this was the first time I've ever not had a ticket, but gone anyway. Um, and I got to say, it went really well. Now, this isn't to say this will be for everybody. Um, I think one, like, it took me eight years of going before I was comfortable enough to go without a ticket myself. You know, you, you have you kind of have to, on some level, build up like a social graph there. And I don't mean in the Facebook sense, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> like, you have, you have to have like a social net that you're walking into so that like you can be outside of the conference and run into people you know and and say hi and and have something else to do otherwise you'll just like you know sit in your hotel room all day and so for most people i still do recommend getting conference tickets whether it's to wdc or layers or altconf or any of the other conferences that are around there i suggest having something to anchor you as like the the main thing you're doing during the day that you're there um, so I wouldn't recommend the, the ticketless route to everybody, but uh, I will say that if you have other things you can do or people there to see, uh, it's really nice. Yeah, and I think it's probably too is just having a good, clear understanding of what your goals are um, yeah. for for being out there. If your goal is to meet people and to you know spend time in those kind of contexts where it's more of the like in the hotel bar hanging out kind of context or having meals or like networky kind of stuff. It makes a lot more sense. Um, so certainly then like if your goal is to deeply learn about technology stuff, then having a, a ticket to some event that makes sense for you. Yeah. Like you said, I mean, there's, there's so many different events and who knows if it's going to be, it'll be, if there'll be more or less next year. Cause I mean, it seemed like this year it, Every year it seems to be expanding um, the number of different events and conferences and things. And in some ways, I wonder if if being in San Jose, it'll actually even continue to grow because from what I understood anyway, like the costs were much less crazy than in downtown San Francisco to like rent a, you know, rent, rent a, a ballroom in a hotel or something it was a little less crazy. So who knows? It may continue to expand, but I mean, it was definitely a good week and I enjoyed, I mean, I was definitely a thank you to all the listeners who introduced themselves. Like that is one of the highlights of the week for me is always just to uh, interact with people who listen to the show because, you know, each week we just sit down and record. We're just talking to each other. Um, and, and we just like put a file on a web service and then it's like, it goes and gets downloaded and there's not a lot of, um, you know, it's it's nice to interact with people who are on the other side of that, um, and you know who in, enjoy the show, and honestly, even just to hear why you in, like the show. Um, not to say that there are no reasons for you to like the show, but it's it's nice to actually hear what they are, <laughs> um, and you know, so it's, it's helpful to to know what to, where to sort of tailor the show and to to under, understand at least why people like it. Yeah, and and to wrap up the WBDC you know experience se- section here, uh, I will also say that it is. I really am enjoying that. So, you know, one of the downsides of not having a ticket and not going to the conference is that when you go, you you have blocked out these days, this week, that your only job is to watch those sessions officially. You know, and you can do other stuff at night, and, and, but like your job during the day is to watch those sessions. The rest of your life is hopefully not going to interfere on that time. There's nothing else you're there to do. You're there to do that. So as a result, you tend to watch a lot of sessions. 
And, you know, it's always harder when, when you're at home or when you're, you know, when you're at a different conference, it's harder to block out that time to actually w- go and watch the session videos because Apple makes them all available almost immediately. Like usually by the next day, they're, they're, the videos are up. And so you can, uh, you know, go home or even be home at the same time and like live stream them. Like you can watch them without going to the conference. But I find I always have a very hard time actually motivating myself to do that. So I've actually taken the last couple of days and what I did was I went through the session list um, and, and I, I, I wrote, down the, wrote down the numbers of every session I was interested in or that even might be interesting to me. And I use that. There's a wonderful script called WWDC Downloader that's on GitHub that usually gets updated uh, every year for every new thing, and it it can download all of the videos for you and all the session slides, PDFs, and everything else. Or and and you can you can specify certain ones to download. So I fed that list of session numbers as an argument to this to WWDC Downloader script, and so now I have a giant folder full of something like forty sessions, something like that. Uh, that I'm that I'm watching, and this is my to do folder. Like, and, and when I wa- I watch something, and then I take notes on it as I'm watching it, and when it's done, I delete it. And my goal is to get through this folder in the next few days. And like you so said, yesterday I watched like probably six or seven sessions, and and so like, and one one of the best things about doing this at home <laughs> and not watching them in person in this in the conference is that you can skip around, you can watch them in whatever order you want to. Within the videos, you can skip around and you can play them faster than 1x. And this is a massive time saver because, you know, the WBDC sessions are understandably given at a fairly slow pace with pretty low information density for most of their time that they're, that they're spending. You know, there's, there's the big introduction at the beginning. There's the wrap-up at the end. They have, like, oh, here's, here's the four things we're going to cover today. And, and you know, and so there's, there's, and there's you know, oftentimes demos that you might be able to skip if, if it's not that relevant. Um, so, like, there's a lot of padding in those talks, and there's reasons why they do it. You know, a lot of people, they are beginners, or it's their first time at WBDC, at least, or, they're, or they're, they might even be entirely new to iOS programming or programming in general. A lot of people, their English isn't their first language, so it helps to talk a little bit more slowly, so, you know, to help more people understand them. And so there's lots of reasons why they do it the way they do, but if you want things at a faster pace, you can download the videos, and a lot of people don't know this, in QuickTime Player, you can play them faster than 1x. It, it's totally hidden, uh, but if you hold down Option and click the Fast Forward button as it's playing, it increments it by 0.1x increments, and it keeps playing with the audio. So, uh, and I think you can play up to 2x before it mutes the audio. Um, so I can burn through these at like 1.5, 1.6x, and be totally understandable because they're taking such a slow pace for the people in the room. Uh, and you can burn through a lot of sessions and get all the information you, you really want out of them uh, in far less time than actually attending the conference. Uh, so I, I find it actually incredibly nice to to watch the sessions this way, as long as you have the discipline to actually block out time to do it. And there's no better time than right now to do that, because as the summer goes on, you're going to get more and more things that you're supposed to be doing, or you know the, 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 OS, the iOS 11 ship date to customers is going to get ever closer and so like the best if you're going to do this the best time to do it is right now and i think the best way to do it is by using that wbdc downloader script downloading all the videos that you're interested in and making it an actual like to-do folder to just get through these yeah i, I do the exact same thing um and i even downloaded a, a quite a bunch of them like before i even left san jose yeah it's great on the plane home yeah it's like using the ridiculously fast wi uh, inter- like ethernet 
in the conference center was a great place. Like I just set it off, it downloaded a whole bunch and I started watching them on the, yeah, on the flight home. Cause, um, yeah, I find the exact same thing. It is so much more productive of a use of time to go through it that way. Like I went to a variety of the sessions, you know, really, if there wasn't a lab that I needed to be in, um, then I would go and watch a session because there's, it's nice just from like the experience perspective, which is, I've talked many times about well, part of why I love going to WBC is that it, it's motivating and exciting and it kind of kind of gets me jazzed for working this summer. Um, and which is part of what you get from being in, you know, being in the room, but from a like information transfer perspective, like that is tremendously powerful. And I would also recommend taking advantage of the P the slides. Um, so like the same script that well, I'm sure we'll have a link to in the show notes, um, lets you also, you can download the PDFs of all of the session slides, which I also find really helpful because then they are searchable. Um, eventually they'll probably this year will probably end up on the site ASCII WWDC, which is a site where someone made where they take the closed captioning values that are that are embedded in the videos and they transform them into something searchable. But even just having the PDFs and searching those directly, um, I often find is really helpful over the course of the summer. Like I just have a folder, you know, I can just go search in folder and then I put in whatever term that I'm looking for and I'll find all the talks that are relevant to it or the bit of, you know, sample code or whatever I need. So, um, yeah, definitely the, the more efficient way right at this point is to just sit down, you know, and it filters out. And I think it is, you're right too, that it, it's, it's a good discipline to do. And, you know, every year very, you know, I, I've been doing this long enough. It's like some years I do better than others, but, um, the thing that you gain from WBDC sessions is often Apple is telling you something, but not directly. Um, like they're, they're often hinting at things and the only way you'll kind of get those, you'll never get those hints out of the documentation, but you can kind of get them, um, out of the, the way they're in, the way they're talking about things in a session. Um, sometimes even with their inflection or like you can kind of, if they're being a bit more obvious about it, but even just, you get kind of get a sense of when they say something two or three times during a session that may or may that like superficially maybe doesn't justify that amount of emphasis. It's like, huh? Why are they saying that? Um, what are they trying to tell me? And you know, often this is you know, it's, there'll be some new hardware down, uh, you know, coming out this fall that makes would make a lot more sense with that. Um, or they're indicating something that like this is a path that you should go down, or like don't go down this path anymore. Like we really mean it this time, um, that kind of thing. So definitely the way at this point to kind of do, you know. Now that the experience and the event of WBC is done, like now it is just there's this giant bucket of information for us to go digging around in to understand what we're going to work what we're going to work on this summer. Yeah, and two more app shoutouts before. Sorry, I keep adding things to this topic. Two more app shoutouts. One, the official WBC app from Apple uh, gets better every year. It's really good now, and it also supports downloading the videos. Um, so you can like watch them offline on the plane like, if you have an iPad or something. That's that's a great use of it. Um, and then finally, there's a WBDC Mac app. That's a th- it's made by just developers, you know, third party, not associated with Apple uh, at WBDC.io. And it's a pretty good app. And that it, it actually supports the display of the captions live as you're watching the videos, which is really helpful, especially if you're playing it faster than one X, which it also supports in a much nicer interface than than QuickTime Player does. Um, and it has this whole integration and it has search. So it's a really good app, too. I recommend checking that out as well. And the benefit from that one, too, is that it goes it has all of the years um, as well. And so, you know, sometimes it is helpful to go back to 
you know, did last year's WWDC and try to be like, is this new? Did this change? Um, or even sometimes they'll in 2017 videos, like in the sessions, they're actually, re- they reference a past year. Um, cause sometimes, you know, the, the canonical talk about a particular topic, you know, it's like for something that is fairly stable and isn't like a brand new thing. It's like, if you're trying to understand basic auto layout, like here is the canonical one to go to or scroll views or whatever it is. Um, cause most of the, you know, the, this year's talks are about what's new, what's different. Um, and so it's nice to be able to also, and I have the same app and I use it for kind of, it's nice to be able to quickly jump back and not go digging through um, the developer portal website. We are sponsored this week by Pingdom. Start monitoring your websites and servers today at pingdom.com slash radar. You get a 14-day free trial, and if you use offer code radar at checkout, you get 20% off your first invoice. Pingdom is a wonderful monitoring service. I've used it since something like 2008 or 2007 even. Very, very long time. Use it for all of Tumblr, all of Instapaper, all of Overcast, all of Market.org since then. I have used Pingdom for so long, and it is so, so good. I highly recommend it because here's the thing. You probably have a website that or a service or something that you're responsible for if you're a developer. There's something out there where like, if it goes down, you want to know about it, and you want to be able to fix it. And with Pingdom, you are the first to know about it because they can check your sites as often as every minute. And of course, all this is configurable. And they can they can send a cookie. They can log in. They can test like actual form submissions and searching and inter- various interaction types. So it isn't. It, you can make it as as smart or as dumb as you want. You can make it check for a certain substring or the absence of that substring. It's it, it's really really great. And then when you know when your thing goes down, let's be honest. You know everything goes down sometimes. Uh, when your stuff goes down, they notify you in whatever way you want to be notified. It, they can be SMS, email, push notifications. They can they can do things like if you have kind of a flaky site and you don't want to be barraged by notifications that you already know. Or, you know your site's just flaky and that just happens. You can say don't alert me until it's been down for at least X minutes or you know things like that. Very configurable, and they and you want to be the first to know when your stuff goes down. Because if, you know, otherwise, like, your customers are going to see it, you know, and you don't want to have to be relying on people on Twitter telling you three hours later, by the way, your site's been down all morning. Like, you want to be the first to know so you can fix it. And Pingdom is, in my opinion, and they can't pay me to say that, it, they, it is the best tool for this job. I love it. I highly recommend it. I've been a customer for years. I pay for it out of my own pocket. They, you know, they, don't, they don't cut my account. I pay for it, and it's wonderful, and I use it, and I love it. So... Check out Pingdom today. You give them a URL to monitor, and they take care of the rest, or you can configure it to your heart's content. It's wonderful. Pingdom.com slash radar for a 14-day free trial, and use code radar at checkout to get 20% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom for sponsoring this show and Relay FM. So I think what we're going to be doing for the, um, at least in the next couple of weeks, is we t- kind of un- trying to unpack what are the new announcements, what are the new interesting things, what are the... You know, what essentially what we're going to be spending our summer working on. Um, and I think we're going to start uh, by talking about what's new in watchOS. And then you know, over the subsequent weeks, we can talk about um, iOS and the iPad. And there's a lot of other places where there's you know much more bigger changes. But watchOS seemed like a good fit for the first one because there's a lot of cool stuff in here. Um, and especially as somebody who works in the health and fitness space, um, there's a lot of really, really cool stuff. Um, but a lot of that's more specific and uh, narrow. So... A bit less to to dive into, but and at, at a high level, what it seemed like this year on the technology side uh, with watchOS was uh, there was a lot of under the hood kind of cleanup stuff that they were doing. 
um, to make the apps more performant. And the cool things about this is there's a lot of it that has nothing to do with code changes that like they just made it better. Um, and most specifically, the biggest change, which I, you'll know, you you kind of you definitely notice if you install uh, WatchOS four onto a testing watch. Um, and if you're anything like me, you'll actually I, I will spend the entire summer wearing two watches: uh, one wearing running WatchOS three, one running WatchOS four. But I'm probably strange uh, by doing that. I mean, we're all strange somehow. Yes, like that's how I do it. That's my weird thing: is that I'll have two watches all summer. Um, but you notice this 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 improvement. And basically, what they did is WatchKit one the UI ran on the watch and the code logic ran on the on a, a, the companion phone. And then watchOS 2, they unified those together. Um, and so they ran on the same watch, but they still were communicating from separate processes. And then in watchOS 3, they improved a lot of the like background modes with the whole thing where your apps can now be docked. And if they're docked, they don't get killed and so on. So they made things a lot faster there. And then this year they took like the next big step forward, and now the watchOS has a sort of a single process architecture, which doesn't actually change anything about the way you have to write your app or the way you code things. Like they've done all the magic underneath, but um, if there's just a little bit, there's less latency um, going between. You know, you tap a button and your logic gets that event just a bit quicker because it isn't doing it over. Um, in a process communication, it's doing it directly now, um, which is nice. And it's just one of those things where I love, like, I mean, one of my favorite things uh, at WWDC is when they have a slide that's basically like, here's this thing, your app is going to be better, your customers are going to like it better, and uh, you didn't have to do anything. Like, just recompile and off you go. Well, and this, Uh, I don't even, you don't even need to recompile to get this. Like, my app is all, like, any app that's already out there, if it was written for watchOS 2 or greater, you just get this performance gain. You don't even have to recompile. It's awesome. Yeah. And so, like, there's things... And there seems like there's a lot of just, like, stuff like that they changed. Um, It's interesting, too, with Watch Watch OS. I think they've also did a bit of refining on the... I don't know, like, the interface and structure of the watch. So, like, I mean, there's a little little changes. Like, the dock is now scrolls vertically rather than side to side. Um, You can now optionally not have the honeycomb screen when you tap the home. You get, like, a list if you want it now. Um, and there's a few like changes to like there's a new concept of being a foremost app um, that is a bit more explicit. Where previously the user could optionally set it so that you know it, once you launch if they launch your app, you had I think it was eight minutes where your app would still be there rather than the time. But then after eight minutes, it would go away. And then this in WatchOS four they changed it around so that it's two minutes, but you can optionally ask to be the eight minutes instead. Um, and so they're doing a lot of these kind of these changes, it seems, where they're not so much about enabling new capabilities. They're just trying to refine the existing experience of using an, of using an Apple Watch um, to make it a bit more seamless and work a little bit more intuitively, um, which is certainly, you know, very, very much appreciated. And I mean, it's, it's weird wearing two watches going back and forth. Like you, so you start to very quickly get used to the way that some of the things work. Um, on the new version, and it's it's definitely better. Like I'm, I'm immediately got got used to the vertically scrolling dock, and you know the changes like that. Where it's like, yeah, they probably should have done it that way before. Yeah, it, it looks like a really solid update for watch apps that that try to be non-trivial. You know, it the watch apps have had this this you know long stand this this long problem of like people just trying to figure out how to use them correctly. 
and you it, you have to put a lot of thought and and consideration into a good watch app. But what watchOS four does is not massive user changes or even massive developer changes. It's actually relatively small developer changes from things that we can actually do now. Uh, but it, or at least for most app types. But what it does is it gives people who want to make a really great watch app experience a few more tools to do that. And and I like I like that kind of improvement. You know, it's it it would be nice. You know, every release shouldn't be that type. You know, like it'd be, it's nice to have more feature releases more often. But this is kind of like what WatchOS two was. It was like you know architecture improvements, performance improvements, and a few new features. And then WatchOS three was the one that brought in the major user changes. So then maybe you know WatchOS four. Maybe it's like a TikTok cycle. You know, WatchOS four is now like more under the hood stuff. And then maybe OS five will be more user stuff. Who knows? Yeah, because I mean, like, there's a couple of new things that are definitely like totally new that are beyond those refinements. Um, and it's probably worth saying there's a like, two like kind of interesting UI refinements that they added. Um, so you can now overlap UI elements, um, which previously was just you couldn't do, or you you could only do like if you kicked out into Sprite Kit and like are rendering your your UI more programmatically. Um, so it's kind of cool that you can now have overlapping UI elements. So it gives you a bit more flexibility for probably things like animations. Um, and they also have a kind of an interesting mode now too, where you can choose, tell your watch that you want to, um, essentially be rotated upside down. Um, and when you're in that upside down rotated mode, the screen lock mechanism gets disabled. Um, and so I think this is primarily geared towards things like if you have an app that is a like a store companion or something like that where you may have a barcode or some value that you want the person to you know display on their wrist and then you know scan on a reader and so you can have it flip upside down and then not dim so that when they turn their wrist to uh you know to show it to somebody or to poke or to have it scanned um that you can now do that yourself which is just like one of those like huh that's cool like i don't think any of my apps have a particular use for it but um, it's nice to have these, yeah, it's again, it's, it's lots of little refinements. Um, and then the big changes from a like capability perspective, um, there's things like there's now core Bluetooth available on, on the watch. So again, it's like, it's a very niche thing, but like if you, for whatever reason, wanted to connect the watch directly to a, um, another Bluetooth device, you can do that now. Like you have the, the nice Bluetooth stack. You can now do uh, background audio recording. Um, which previously was a bit like you had much, you weren't really running or interactive in the same way during audio recording. Now you are. And you know, if, if you are building an app that would record audio, you have a lot more capabilities there. And now you also have um, navigation and related capabilities where you can now sort of do turn by turn directions in sort of the way that the Apple Maps app does, um, which if you've never used is actually really fun. Like I love it when I'm um, walking around a new city um, it's a, re- a really cool way to be told where to go because the Apple Watch just you know has these, com- these these varying sequences of taps that you get you know depending on when it's time to turn left or when it's time to turn right. Um, which once you it, t- it takes a few times before you know what it's what it's actually telling you to do. Um, but it's, I found it was really awesome to not be conspicuous. You know when I'm in a new place, I don't really know where I'm going. Um, it's a bit conspicuous to be like walking around with my phone, constantly checking maps versus my, you know, my watch just being like, Hey, you know, t- turn left. Oh, here you go. Turn right. Um, so now like third party apps can do that kind of stuff as well. Um, and so like, those are really cool. Like these are these fun little things that like, I don't think, you know, even as somebody who's spent a lot of time making watch apps, like 
most of those capabilities aren't things that I expect to take advantage of. Um, we'll get into the ones that I'm excited about on the workouts and fitness side in a minute, but it's cool to see them opening up, you know, things like core Bluetooth, I think is exciting to me mostly because, um, of, you know, it's like, it's like the thing that I couldn't predict that is now going to be possible, um, as a result or the continuous background and location stuff, you know, it, there, there's inevitably going to be these, these apps that come out this summer that are like, huh, that's really cool. Uh, because they're, you know, as they continue to expand what's possible on the watch, um, and you know, the watches are, are much, so much more capable now from a hardware perspective. Like, I mean, a, a series two and a series one watch is pretty capable compared to at least the first generation hardware. Um, so I think people will, you know, there's interesting opportunities to be had there. Um, I don't really know what they are, but I, <laughs> I have this strong feeling that they exist. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then on the workout stuff, and this is the stuff that I'm excited about because, you know, like the, you know, my business at this point is mostly just health and fitness, but it's all these cool things. Like we can now programmatically enable the water lock. So like if you were to, if you were perhaps to be making a workout app that inter that dealt with swimming, just let's say, um, now you can programmatically <laughs> do that. Um, whereas before it was really awkward and I actually haven't shipped the, 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 the sleep in the swimming integration in workouts plus plus because it was really awkward and it didn't seem like a good user experience to be like, start a, it's like start a workout. And then before you actually start your workout, you need to <laughs> leave like, my app, leave my app, swipe <laughs> up, tap a button. And then the other really awkward thing too, is when you enable water lock, the screen turns off essentially. Like, I mean, it's still, this lights up, but the whole point is that it's not touch uh, interactive anymore. And so you can't ease, it's like you can't directly dismiss what you were just in. Like you, to get back into the app. Um, and so it was awkward, but now it's like, nope, totally fine. You can just programmatically say, turn it on. Um, they also added the ability for us to do, get uh, resume and pause events from press. If you press the crown and side button together, um, which is really kind of a cool thing too, where previously we've had very limited access to those kind of the, any presses, um, so like in workouts plus plus, I got around that by like, if you want to pause the workout, I have you scroll the digital crown, um, up. And if you want to end the workout, you can scroll it down. Cause that was previously the only interaction we had with physical controls. So it's really not fun for the nice for them to be able to, and we can now, you know, get those events more directly, which is quite cool. Uh, we can interact with the new, uh, what well, was new in watchOS three, the workout route stuff. So you can record location data. Um, with a workout, which we now have full access to both for the data that they were, they collect in the first party app, or we can collect the data and insert it ourselves. Um, and then the same thing with the turn by turn navigation. They also, that now means in workout apps, we can also do location tracking, which means that I can finally do much more accurate, uh, speed and distance calculations. I can record your route. Like there's a lot of these things that it means that at this point, the only thing, as far as I'm aware of that, I can't do that the first party workouts app can do is show a now playing interface controller, um, which of course I follow the radar asking for. Uh, there'll be a link to it in the show notes. If you're, if you're an, if you're a, an Apple developer who could uh, shuffle that along, wink, wink. Um, but it's really cool for that. They're, they're not taking the approach of saying like, we want people to use our workouts app. We want them to do all of this fitness and health stuff in our system. You know, I love that they are opening that up and, creating opportunities for developers like me to come in and say, you know, I, you know, the work of the first party workouts app is great. 
but I think it would be better if it did, you know, X, Y, and Z. And now I can actually build those capabilities um, myself and run them in a native, fully capable way that's fully baked. And um, like, I appreciate that. And I think in general, that's probably a, a nice thing about the way that Apple is, is approaching the watch, which could have been, they could, I could have seen them locking it down. Like the original versions kind of were pointing towards where it was very limited. And it's lovely for them to be instead saying, you know, we're going to open this up and, you know, let a thousand flowers blossom and just like see what, um, what works, which I very much appreciated. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of just always been the theme of, of iOS, which is like the system started out with these very locked down privileged limitations that only Apple could do and other apps couldn't do. And they just slowly added more and more every year to that, that enable your apps to become more like system app replacements uh, and to have this, have similar capabilities as system apps or to integrate better into the system. And watchOS, you know, they started out, again, very basic, but they're doing the same progression there. Uh, so it's really nice to see. I'm, I'm very, very happy to see it, even, even if it's still like a very specialized platform that I think most apps don't really need to be on. Um, it's still really nice for the ones that do have a role there to have that kind of progression and to always have more good stuff to do. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it's kind of fun. It'll be a nice busy summer for me, I think. Uh maybe my watch app's better and I you have a watch app too now, so you can mm-hmm. take advantage of at least some of the some of the stuff if not um uh, at the very least take advantage of the under, the underlying benefits. Um Yeah, my app will be faster. That's probably about all I can do with the new stuff, but so I I, I still have to explore a little more of like if there were any more silent updates to the APIs, but yeah, it's going to be pretty the watch is not going to be a strong focus for me in all likelihood this summer, but for you there's a lot to do. <laughs> Yep, and we will be talking in the the coming weeks about the other parts of the platform where you have much to do. Exactly. Well, that's all for this week. So uh, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye.